there's a lot that I think surprise new syndicators. So I'd always be very cautious to see if you can have a good mentor with you, somebody who's learned the ropes. Best ever listeners, I'm so excited to share today's sponsor with you. It's Eastern Union Funding and Arbor Realty Trust. If you're in the multifamily space, you likely recognize these names, but have you used them? Uh, I'm guessing if you haven't, then you probably know someone who has. I can tell you personally, we have used uh, Mark Belsky. He is a point person at Eastern Union Funding as a partner with us, and he has helped us secure debt uh, for actually a deal we closed on this month. And we've worked with him. Um, in addition, my clients, my program, my consulting program have worked with them to successfully close on deals. When we were starting out, Ashcroft was starting out, we had somewhat of a track record, but we weren't fully as established with our investor network. I went to him and we secured some equity, $500,000 in equity to fund one of our deals. While he works with more institutional partners, you know, he's brought $200 million in equity over the last 12 months. He was able to help us out there and we've built a relationship with him and Eastern Union Funding ever since. So if you need equity for your deal and you have a track record, then he's your point person. His number is 212-897-9875. If you need debt, then he partners up with Arbor on a lot of transactions. So if you're a multifamily borrower who wants agency or bridge debt, then that's the team to work with. Uh, We have worked with their team, both Eastern Union and Arbor, on deals. And people who have purchased our deals, purchased deals from us, have used Arbor, as well as my clients in my consulting program, they've used it. So this is a recommendation that comes from firsthand experience. And the last thing I'll say about uh, working with Mark Belsky at Eastern Union is that if you need a loan guarantor, but don't have that track record quite yet, then Mark can look at what you've, the deal you've got and assuming it checks out, he can make introductions to people he knows as potential loan guarantors for your deal. So debt, equity, and potentially loan guarantors. Uh, all you need, well, you need to find a deal, obviously. Um, but besides that, you know the other main components of the deal they can help you out with. So talk to Mark Belsky. His email is mbelsky at easterneq.com. And his phone number, 212-897-9875. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. And first off, I hope you're having a best ever weekend because today is Saturday. We got a special segment for you called Situation Saturday. And the whole purpose of this is if you're in a similar situation, you'll know how others have handled it and in some cases overcome the challenge. In other cases, just learned a whole lot. And in today's episode, it's how they overcame a challenge. We're going to be talking about if you need to raise a lot of money in a short period of time, how someone did it, and who that someone is, is Adam Adams. How you doing, my friend? I'm fantastic. How are you? I am doing fantastic as well, and nice to have you back on the show. If you recognize Adam Adams' name, well, one reason could be because you're a loyal listener, and he gave his best ever advice, episode 1,238, and you can learn more about Adam and his advice there. Today, we're going to be talking about a specific situation that he was in 
And I don't know the circumstances, but I do know that he had to raise a million dollars in four days. So please fill us in. What happened? All right. So we are fairly new syndicators still. We've syndicated a, a few deals and helped other people raise money for their deals. And when you're new at syndication, it isn't always easy. That's just got to be the truth of the matter. And some people say if you find a deal, the money will come. And that might be a little true. I'm not going to argue against it. I'm just going to say there's a lot of work involved as well. There's a lot of mindset and there's a lot of work. So at the time, this was our second syndication. We did one syndication on a small, small property, 16 units in Connecticut. And it took us about three weeks to raise 300000 And then we got better at raising money. So on the second syndication that came up, I'm supposed to be the money raiser in my company, mm -hmm. similar to you. So I've got a podcast and that's supposed to be my role. And I raised a couple hundred thousand in the first few days. And at the time, I didn't really know that this was my role. So <laughs> I went on vacation, literally. I went out of town and then I came back and I was like, hey, you guys, how are we doing? <laughs> and they were like, oh, you know, we're at 300 grand. And I'm like, but we were at 300 grand before. And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said, hey, well, I'm going to go out of town for another 10 days here next week. So let me teach you all what I would do to raise the other million. So I taught everybody what to do. And then I went on vacation with my girlfriend, had a great time at the Jazz Fest in New Orleans. And then did you, I, did you say girlfriends multiple? Oh, I did. Maybe subconsciously <laughs> I said that. And now I'm going to get in big trouble. No, my one single girlfriend. Okay, just want to make sure. <laughs> no, my, my one, and she knows who she is. <laughs> anyway, both, um, of both of them do. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't think that there was a Freudian slip. We'll have to rewind and see <laughs> if I did say that. But uh, I should only have one girlfriend. I only know of one. Fair enough. So anyway, I went out of town to the jazz festival came back after 10 days and I was like, great, where are we? And they said, we're at, we're at 300. You yep. know it. You know I the saw, story. I, saw that coming. I don't know the story, but I saw that coming. So everybody was talking about, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? We had some motivation. They believed in me and I didn't know what to do exactly, but I've always felt that we need to have a strong mindset. I've always felt that way. Mm -hmm. What's his name? He just came on your podcast. He's a friend of mine. And for some reason, I can't think of his name because I'm on the spot. Because you're friends with everyone. I try to be. I try to be. Yes. So Tim Bratz was just recently on your podcast. Yep. He had a similar situation where he had to raise a lot of money in a very short amount of time. It was all mindset. The power that he had was the power of saying, I can't fail. I just have to do this. So mm -hmm. you'd ask yourself, how can I? How can I? So I just said, I've canceled all of my other appointments for the next few days because we had four days to close. So I canceled everything. I remember calling everybody saying, can't go to lunch with you anymore. Can't talk to you on the phone anymore. Can't do this with you. We have a great podcast interview coming up, but I'm going to have to postpone that for another couple of weeks because I've got something that needs to happen. So mm -hmm. I locked myself in the room from about 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. for four days in a row. Mm -hmm. And that's where it starts out. People would walk into the room while I was in between calls and they were like, we're getting down to the wire. I remember it was the day before we were supposed to close and we still needed 500 grand. Okay, so three days made maybe about 500,000. 
and this is all estimates because I don't have the specifics, but I remember thinking that I had about 500,000 more that needed to go in the bank tomorrow so that we could close on time. Mm -hmm. And I had several investors that I was talking to on the phone say, what happens when you don't close this? And I was like, we're closing it. And they're like, yeah, but what happens if you don't close it? And I just had to politely say, we're going to close it. I don't have time to talk about there being a possibility of anything else. So I just got to respectfully let you go so I can keep making these phone calls. And then I actually truthfully had two different of my partners walk into the office and they were like, hey, Adam, what happens if we don't close? And (laughs) to them, I wasn't as nice as I was passive. (laughs) I was like, you can't effing tell me that. You got to get out of my office and like everybody in this office has to know that we're going to close. We have to know that. And honestly, it was kind of crazy because this is totally true story. It's just mind boggling how down to the wire it was. So the day of, we still needed 250,000 and one of the 1031s that I think was 200 backed out. Oh, so that put us at needing a ton more money. So I just kept calling and When we get into the questions, I want to talk about kind of like the sales pitch that I used Mm -hmm. when I called people because I do think it is beneficial for anybody out there. It's not just the mindset and it's not just the grind, Mm -hmm. but the psychology behind asking for money also needs to kind of come out in the interview today so that we can really learn, not just that we need to have some tenacity and never quit, but the end result is literally and truthfully, the day that we were supposed to close, we got that last wire in about two hours before close. So my partner DJ ran to the bank, made our wire, and just in time, we barely, barely closed. And then the next day, and this is all just in, I don't know if it's really 10 million. I don't think I'm exaggerating. I don't think I'm lying or either way, but I never even wrote it down. But the very next day after we closed, that's when I got all of these people called me and said, Hey, we want in on that deal. And I assume you didn't close. So now we're ready to get into it. And I'm like, it's gone. So again, this is not literal, but I feel like The very next day, I had $10 million that wanted to go into it. I only needed one, which I guess helps a ton for the very next deal that we do. So ever since those days, raising money is a lot easier now, but I'll give it back to you. Well, let's talk about what you said to the investors and then we'll go from there. Okay. So this was 506B, which is important to note that I had to know them already. I couldn't advertise this. I had to have a prior relationship, which kind of painted me into a corner. And I was stressed, but I wasn't willing to say anything else. So I thought I got to only talk to people that I know, and I'm running out of people that I know. This is hard. So I started going back and I started to try to figure out what could I say to change it. And I kind of took a page out of your book, something that you do naturally, I figured that I would have to also do. So I'm having to figure out a way to tell somebody who's also a syndicator why it makes sense for them to give me their money. Mm -hmm. Because that's all I had left is other syndicators. So here's the pitch and it worked like a miracle. I would dial the phone and when they said hello, I would just say, Let's see, I'd get one of their cards and I would say, John, it's been a while. I haven't seen you since we were at the ultimate partnering event or since we were at that sponsor event. I just wanted to touch base with you. How's your syndication business going? So that's the first thing. Just it's been a while. 
how is your syndication business going? Very, very, very important question because now you have to start to listen. And when listening, you have to start asking more questions. So they're like, oh yeah, I haven't been doing it lately because it just got too hard and I had to go back to work or whatever they said. Whatever they say, you really have to be intentionally open-minded to understanding more about that situation, whatever it is. So how is your syndication going? Oh, it's not. Okay, well, what happened? And then you'll get into a part of the conversation where it's kind of like this. Well, I know you have the money. I know that you have the drive for it. So what you're telling me is that the reason you haven't been successful is because it's just been really tough to find a good deal. And the reason that it's tough to find a deal is because you didn't have the track record. And then they usually answer yes. So when it comes down to that point, then you say, well, I've got a deal right now. Why don't you just go the minimum in that deal? Which was? 50. Okay. Why don't you just go the minimum in that deal? That gives you the track record to have some more doors to your name. And then hopefully the brokers will start taking you more seriously just because you're invested in a deal. And it always got this aha moment for them where they're like, huh, I never thought that it could be that easy to just get experience. Mm -hmm. So really diving deep into this question, people who are listening might have the thought process that it's way easier than what I just told you. They might just assume that it's super, super easy. All I have to do is say, how's your syndication business going? And then I'll be like, invest in my deal. Mm -hmm. But you have to find a way to sit back and first ask enough questions. And here's the analogy that I have for you is if you walked into a doctor's office and you said, hey, I'm not feeling well. And they just said, all right, we need to give you a cast for your ankle. That's not a solution to your problem. They haven't diagnosed you well enough yet. So when somebody says, oh, you've got measles or the mumps and you walk in and you're like, no, it's just my nose hurts. I just didn't know what was going on. They're not solving your problem. And that's because they're not asking enough questions first. So that has to be you. When you start by asking somebody, how's your syndication business going? And they start to answer. You really have to respond back and forth with a lot of dialogue. Okay, so you know how when the doctors, they say, does it hurt here? Does it hurt here? They keep touching different places or they say, what happens if I turn your neck like this? And when they ask enough questions, they're like, I think I know where this pain point is. And that's you as the salesperson allowing people into your deal. You have to see what is it? Are they having trouble with brokers? Is it a different reason? Maybe they're saying, There's so much that's to it, but if you don't understand how to ask all of these questions repetitively to draw out the real diagnosis, that's when you're going to fail. So I don't know exactly how to teach that 100%, but if you have questions for me, Joe, that might help bring that out, I would be happy to help. But the point is you have to ask enough questions to really understand what it is because when you solve the problem, it needs to sound completely genuine. It needs to be completely genuine. Well, I could help you by you being involved in my deal. You say you have a bunch of doctors, attorneys, whatever, that have a huge liquidity and they're waiting to get into your deal. Why don't I put you in on my deal? And you let all of your doctors and attorneys come in on this deal that we own together. You're on the general partnership now. You know them personally. So that makes it legal by the definition of 506B. And now I've solved your problem. 
you own the real estate, you're on the deal and your investors are going into your deal. So it solves their problem too. So that's kind of what I'm trying to get out or help other people to understand. Yeah, it's very helpful. And one other thing to point out here is that you have a Rolodex of a targeted list of syndicators because your concept certainly works regardless if you're talking to a syndicator or a W-2 professional or an entrepreneur who's not in real estate and that concept of asking them to talk about their self so that you can learn more about them and then as you talk about your opportunity, you can match that up with challenges that they have. Oh, I'm looking to decrease my tax burden. I'm looking to get more consistent cash flow. I'm looking to diversify from stocks. I'm looking to get a track record so that I can eventually do this on my own, but I don't have any experience so far. I'm trying to find deals, etc. So the key from a macro level is from what I'm taking from this and from how I approach conversations too is listen and learn when you're talking to someone and that it makes the conversation so much smoother and more real because you're simply customizing the benefits of the opportunity to whatever is most relevant to them versus having these bullet points that they don't care about at all because they're interested in other bullet points that you don't know about because you didn't ask questions and listen. But in your case, in this example, you're reaching out to syndicators. So the challenge with doing deals is what you just described, for the most part, finding the right deal and getting the right credibility in order to do that when you're starting out. So it's a beautiful approach for that particular group. And I'm glad that you shared that. Thank you. I appreciate that. The couple follow-up questions, taking a step back just about the opportunity. You actually, sounds like you raised 1 million in four days, but even drilling down more, you raised 450,000 in half a day, sounds like. So my question is, the amount, let's just call it that million bucks that you had four days from now. So let's put yourself in that situation. You got to raise a million dollars in four days. Is that million dollars all the equity that was required for the deal? Or was that million dollars the equity required simply to close the deal? Super good question. And there is a good distinction. So let me respond by saying this is our second syndication. And because of that, we hadn't yet learned a lot of the different costs that are associated with a syndication. So how much we raised wasn't really how much we will raise on the next one. That's the same price. So we probably would have raised at least another $100,000. Knowing about prepaid insurance, knowing about utility deposit, these expenses jumped at us. Even though we were taking an education through somebody who has had thousands of doors, they never really told us to prepare for that. Mm -hmm. So there's a multiple answer to your question. First off, we were allowed to raise up to 1.3 million and we raised 1.28 million. What do you mean um, you, were, you were allowed to? I mean that on the private placement memorandum, there's a maximum. So we can raise up to 1.3. And there was a minimum, but we raised more than that. If we needed to, we could have closed with $200,000 less 
then that 1.1, and then we just used our money for the rest of the syndication. So we would have been able to do that. I didn't want to do that. And I specifically, when I was making the calls, I didn't allow myself the freedom of thinking that I could stop at 1.1. I just had to get the entire amount and then some, or else I felt like I was failing at it. So I just knew that I had to go the whole amount. But like you asked, we could have legally gone to 1.1, still closed. We would have had our money into the deal just fine. And then we could have raised the rest later. But we raised 1.28, which basically 1.3, I always round it. So we raised about the full thing. And then again, on the next deal, we will know better on some of the closing costs that kind of bit us in the butt. And we will absolutely raise at least those things that we found on that last deal. And then you mentioned a couple of closing costs, prepaid insurance and utility deposit. Anything else that stands out that was something that it was like, oh, shoot, I got to account for this? I don't have it in my head right now, but those were the two big ones that we didn't get. On the last deal before that, we learned a few other things, but I've had a podcast simply on just all of the closing costs. I just don't remember all of those, but there's a lot that I think surprise new syndicators. So I'd always be very cautious to see if you can have a good mentor with you, somebody who's learned the ropes or listened to Joe's podcast or read your dang book. That book is crazy. I'm buying it today, Joe. I wanted to have it. You haven't bought it yet? I was planning on purchasing it before. Interview over. Interview (laughs) I was planning on purchasing it before this interview, but I had a longer interview go on and I'm dyslexic. Did you not know that? I didn't know that. I've read one book, Joe. I've read one book. It was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It changed my life. And now I'm going to get through your 400 plus page book and pay $50 for it because I know the values there. Read it before your next deal too. It will be helpful for you before you put your next deal together. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, talking about million bucks, four days. How many people make up that million dollars, by the way? You might not know the exact number, but roughly. There's 20 people exactly that makes up 1.3. 1. 1.3. So let me get my little uh, word. 16-ish, 17-ish is what changed in four days. Well, congrats on that. You've got an event coming up? I absolutely do. So we're starting to promote it on your podcast. So we've probably already heard a couple of them and a couple more after this interview. But I would love if anyone wanted to join us. It's a raising money summit. So it's a two-day summit. I asked you, Joe, I said, hey, you got to come here. It sounded like you wanted to. I'll take you at your sincerity that you did want to. I did. But you have a baby coming out, not from you, but from your wife (laughs) around the exact same time as the event. So this is the first annual raising money summit 2018. And then I hope that you'll accept my invitation to come to the next one. Cool. And what are the dates of it? November 17th and 18th. November 17th and 18th, I imagine it's in Denver. It is in Denver. Everything I do is in Denver. If I can not travel, I will. <laughs> All right. Well, sounds like a great summit and grateful for the invitation. I'm sure there'll be a lot of value for those who are able to attend and do not have the arrival of their first child uh, during, <laughs> that, during that time frame. Well, thank you, Adam, for being on the show, talking about the psychology and how you approach the conversations And then we took a step back and talked about the psychology and how to approach conversations regardless of if we're talking to syndicators or not. 
and the importance of caring about the questions you ask and the responses and listening to those responses because it's so much easier to have a conversation when we listen because then we can bring up relevant things to them based on what they were talking about. It's a breeze and it's fun because when you get someone talking about something they care about, then they get passionate and who doesn't want to talk to a passionate person? That's fun. Those are good, lively conversations. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever weekend and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Do you need debt for your deal, equity for your deal, or maybe a loan guarantor to help you get qualified for the financing? Talk to Mark Belsky. His number is 212-897-9875. That's 212-897-9875. His email is mbelsky at easterneq.com. If you're syndicating deals, I recommend you check out the annual Raising Money Summit in Denver. The two-day event on November 17th and 18th is going to sell out, but you can get your ticket today and you'll save $100. Go to realbluespruce.com forward slash best ever.